Colossians chapter number 1, if you would please stand with me in honor of God's Word. I'd like to remind you before we read our text that what I'm getting ready to read here this morning is not the words of the Apostle Paul, is not the words of man, it is not the words even of English translators. What I'm getting ready to read to you, if this Bible is correct and true, regarding what it says about itself, then what I'm getting ready to read are the very words of our God and our Creator. Verse number 12, the Bible says here, "...giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood." even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him, now this is speaking of Jesus Christ, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him." And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Watch verse number 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. This is part five. This will be our last lesson on God's formula for a healthy body. This is not a health like the physical body health lesson. I'm sure that there are probably churches that are wasting their time here today talking about how you can be healthier physically. I'm all for that, but it certainly is not even remotely close to the importance of what we're talking about in today's message, and that is the body being the church, the spiritual health of us individually, part of his body, and collectively as a church. We've been talking about God's formula for a healthy body the last few weeks. We've talked about some key relationships, but today we talk about a vital relationship, and I'll say more about that here in just a moment. Let's bow our heads and let's talk to God and ask that He would bless the time that we have together today. Father, thank You that we can call You our Father. Thank You for the salvation that you have provided in your Son, Jesus Christ, and thank you for the Bible that teaches us who you are and who we are and what you expect of us. And thank you for the church. Lord, uh, I wouldn't be saved here today if it wasn't for the church. Thank you for Christians who witness to me and for preachers that preach the gospel and for people who live their faith. And And Lord, I saw plenty of hypocrisy when I was a child growing up, and I've seen plenty since then, but I thank you, Lord, that you put my life in uh, in a home and a family and uh, around others that were genuine born-again believers in Jesus Christ. And I pray now that you would bless this time that we have together, speak to our hearts. We pray for anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to that soul that is nearest hell today and draw them to you in your love and in your truth and help us to be faithful 
as we preach this message, that you'd use us for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just as with the physical, a healthy body is a complex formula. The same way with a healthy church or a healthy body of Christ. It's not dependent on any one or two things. In the physical body, we have nutrition and exercise and rest and hydration and oxygenation and all of those things that are, that are key and vital in order to have a healthy physical body. In the same way with a healthy church, it doesn't depend on any one thing. But I'd have to say here this morning, without any fear of contradiction, that the vital thing for a healthy church, a vital thing for your spiritual health, is our relationship with God. All other relationships are dependent on this one. It is the heart and the head of the body. The church is a spiritual entity. It is not an organization. Listen, you are here at an assembly we call ourselves Temple Baptist Church. But we are simply, when we call ourselves that, that is just simply a means of identification to tell people who we are and basically what we believe and teach. We're not talking about an organization. There is no organization, religious organization, that could say we are the church and no one else is. It is a spiritual thing. Just like we've said here before, You may be a member of Temple Baptist Church, but that doesn't make you a member of the church that we're talking about. It's a spiritual thing. We become part of Christ's body, of Christ's church, the moment that we are born again. For 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one body, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That is not a water baptism. It's not a dunking or a sprinkling. It is talking about a spiritual concept that we become immersed into Jesus Christ when we get saved. We don't necessarily feel it. We don't necessarily, we don't see it. We don't necessarily have to understand it, but the Word of God says that's what God does. Listen, being a Christian is not just having a list of ethics or a list of beliefs that differ from some other religion. It is a transformation by the Spirit of God in which God literally comes inside of us and makes us a new creature. I wish I had time here this morning to tell how that the Lord has done that for me. I'm thankful that I've been saved, and I'm thankful that I have experienced Listen, we have the book here that tells us about it, but I'm glad that I've got something more than this just telling you what the book says. I can tell you what Jesus has done for me personally. And I'm looking at people all throughout this congregation here today that you could tell others that this is what Jesus Christ did for me. I'm so thankful that I can say beyond any shadow of doubt or fear of contradiction that I'm saved here today. And I know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. But this relationship with God, it is the vital relationship. We've talked about the relationship between the pastor and the people. We've talked about the relationship between the people and the pastor. We've talked about last week the relationship between the people and the people. 
These are all key relationships for a healthy church, but none of it matters if we don't first have a right relationship with God and Jesus Christ. You know, there's some Bible examples of people who had a relationship with God. We go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God came down and He walked in the garden in the cool of the day. If you'll remember that Adam, and it says that Adam hid himself from God when he came down to the garden. It doesn't tell us this, but I have a gut feeling, and I really think I'm right on this, that God coming down to the garden and walking with Adam was a daily thing. It was something that Adam was used to. And I believe that Adam knew that, okay, it's about time. I'm seeing kind of where the sun is, and it's about time, the cool of the day when God's going to come down. I better hide myself because I disobeyed him. When he ate of that fruit, he became self-conscious. He became aware of his nakedness. Something spiritually inside of him died. And he recognized it in his conscience. You know, there are things that you can justify till the cows come home. But in your conscience, you know. I mean, you can, you can be like a master defense attorney and you can have it all figured out. You can have it written down on paper. But when the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you in your heart and you know that you're wrong, you cannot get away from it. It's powerful. You know, Adam was in that boat. He knew that God was getting ready to show up. You know, we see in our culture today so much nakedness. You know that, I mean, even even when people have their skin covered, every single day when I go out in public, it's embarrassing what you have to see in public. Have you recognized that? Let me tell you something, ladies, and this is not my message. I'm just going to throw this in for free. Tights are embarrassing. I mean, you might as well be naked and just put a coat of paint on yourself because it leaves nothing for the imagination. Now, don't get mad at me over that. It's true, and it's immodest, and it's embarrassing, and you know, it, it, there's nothing good that comes out of it. There are people that they, they ought not dress like that because they look good. And then there's some that ought not dress like that because they don't. You know what our problem in today's culture is? People have no shame of their nakedness because God's presence is so far from their life. Adam had sewed fig leaves together. That's a picture of religion. You know, people are very religious, and what they do is they try to go to church, and they do rituals, and they do ceremonies, and it's all different ways to try to satisfy the guilty conscience and to feel like that God's okay with me because I'm doing something to earn His approval. You know what that is? That's fig leaves. But when we truly look in the mirror and we, if we would be real with who we really are, not just on Sunday, but who we are on Monday and who we are on Tuesday and the way that we live and our attitudes and the way that we think, our thoughts and our words and the things that we desire to look at and all of that filth of the world, if we would be honest, we would be just like Adam 
And we would realize that, hey, these religious fig leaves, when God shows up, I feel like hiding myself from him. And that's the problem with today's culture. People live like the heathen because God has basically been told, we really don't want you. We don't want you in our schools. We don't want you in our homes. And, you know, we certainly, it sadly, God has been basically told, we don't want you in our churches. Can you imagine the things that are going on in the name of church and religion today that are so contrary from the Bible? I could, I could give you a list of about 20, 30, 30 things long without even really studying about it. And that's common in Christianity. And basically what man has said, we're okay without you, God. We got this covered. We really don't want you. And when God shows up, it's a powerful thing. And it awakens our conscience. I remember when God showed up in my life. I was getting ready to go to a Roman Catholic church to a wedding. And I was going to party with my friends. And God showed up in my life that day. I'm getting ready. I'm doing chores. I told my dad I'd get this done and doing everything I could so that I could go with my friends. We were looking forward to this. We'd been looking forward to it for months. And God showed up in my life. And I said, no, God, not now. Don't ruin my party. But when he showed up, I'm telling you what, it was like an invisible slap in my face. It shook me. My knees were literally shaking when the Holy Spirit of God showed up. Listen, I've told you this before. Some of you are new around here. My nephew, his name's Marcus, and he lived with us at the time, and he had been... I, I had to do all these chores so that I could go to this party. And I kept finding stuff that my nephew had made a mess, or he'd broken this, or he'd done that. I was getting aggravated because he's given me more to do. And I was getting frustrated. He's just a little guy. He's like four years old. And he's sitting up on the stairs. And finally, I just had it. He, I found something that he broke or he'd made a mess. I don't even remember what it was. But I went up to him. He's sitting on the top of those steps. And I'm down at the bottom. And so I'm about eyeball to eyeball. And I said, if I find one more thing that you've done, you're getting a spanking. I'd never spanked him before. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a senior in high school. I just I just graduated, actually. And and it's just like, I never, I'm just trying to get his attention. I'm going to give you a spanking. And I said, do you know why? And he goes, I said, because you know better. And when I said, you know better, the Holy Spirit of God grabbed my words, threw them in my face. It was powerful. I'm telling you. I, I didn't hear it audibly, but it could not have been more powerful if I would have heard the voice of God speaking audibly. It was God showing up in my life. You know what I did? I just, I resisted Him like a fool. And you know, I didn't get right with the Lord for another year, but I tell you what, from that moment, I became so miserable. I was under such conviction and I knew I needed to repent. I knew I needed to get right. And you know what? That wasn't, that wasn't, uh, church or ritual. That wasn't the preacher telling me anything. It was the powerful Holy Spirit. It was Jesus Christ speaking to me, the head of the church that we just read about. God and Adam 
walking in the garden. That was a relationship. Cain and Abel tried to have a relationship with God. They both produced a sacrifice. Cain brought of the things that he had made from the field or grown from the field. Abel brought an offering of the flock, a blood sacrifice. And the Bible says that God had respect to Abel's offering, but Cain's offering he didn't have respect. And you talk about, I mean, just like the fig leaves were not enough to cover Adam's nakedness, in the same way, God's looking down, he sees Cain's offering being the religious work of man's hands compared to Abel's, which was a blood sacrifice, basically taking what God had provided and giving it back to him. God said, that's what I'm looking for. Both of them were seeking to have a relationship with God. Only one of them did it the correct way. You know, you take all of the religions of the world and you can boil it down to two categories, and that is do and done. Do, you take all the religions of the world. What can I do to satisfy God? But the religion, the other religion is the religion of done. And you know, that's the one I want to be part of. Everything that needs to happen for me to get to heaven, it was done at the cross of Calvary when Jesus died on the cross. Listen, I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm not trusting in me being a preacher or a Baptist or even a great guy. I'm glad I'm not trusting in that. I'm trusting in the precious blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for me. We find in Genesis 4.26 that after the fall of man, that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. We find an amazing character in the book of Genesis by the name of Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch, this was Noah's great-great-grandfather. And the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. God went on a walk with Enoch, and the Bible says that God took him. God took Enoch up to heaven. He, he enjoyed being with Enoch so much that he took him up. Listen, I know that it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. All men are going to die. But Enoch was a picture and a type of those of, I'd like to say us, who are going to be alive when the trumpet sounds and the rapture takes place and Jesus calls His church up to heaven. We know it as the rapture. I'd like to be here. It sure looks like it's getting close. Amen? I'd like to say us, but Enoch was an Old Testament picture of something that's going to happen in the future. I'd rather just go by way of rapture than by way of death. I, I, I'm not afraid to die. I just know getting up to that point may not be all that pleasant. So I'd just as soon hear the trumpet sound if it was all the same to you, Lord. <laughs> we find that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he also walked with the Lord. All kinds of examples of men having a relationship with God. And so I ask you the question this morning. We should all ask this question ourselves. Can I have a relationship with God? There's four things that I'm going to bring to you from the Word of God here this morning. Four simple things that will enable you to, yes, you, to have a relationship personally with God. Not through your parents, 
Not through your pastor. Not through somebody that you know or trust. Not from grandparents. But you, personally, to have an individual relationship. A meaningful one. One that's felt. One that's powerful. One that's real. And you know it's real. You can have that if you'll just consider these four things. Number one is walking. Walking. Look at verse number 10 of our text. It says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and in increasing in the knowledge of God. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Now, here in just a little while, I'm going to talk more about this receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. But I'll give you a little sneak peek here. How do we receive Jesus Christ? We receive Him by faith. We believe the Word of God, the gospel of our salvation. You know, salvation is so simple. It doesn't require all these religious rituals. It simply says, it simply means that we provide God the sinner because God provided us the Savior. That's Jesus Christ. Lord, if, if you wanted to be saved today, all you'd have to do is just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that He was buried and rose again the third day. If you'll believe that and receive, Romans 10 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That's why it's important that we understand this is an act of faith. It isn't just, listen, you can say those words, Lord, I ask you to save me. I've talked to people before, and I say, how do you know that you're saved? Well, I asked the Lord to save me. Well, that's good, and that's right, but did you ask Him in faith, truly believing from the heart, that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You cannot believe from the heart without first coming to the realization of how desperately we are all in need of a Savior and just how wicked and sinful that we are. If you think that you're just, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I'm still a pretty good person, you'll never truly trust Jesus Christ by faith. You'll think He's a good man, a good religious leader, a good example, but you'll fall short of the power of God to transform your life until you completely put all of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God's not interested in helping you with your salvation. He's interested in doing it completely. If you think that you need to help the Lord, then you're not to the place where you can ever truly get saved. There's so much said about our walk in the Bible. In Ephesians 4.30, we see that it is a spiritual walk. It says in Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Hey, the Holy Spirit is not just a powerful force. He is a person of the Godhead, of the Trinity. And you can't grieve someone that's not a person or a personality. So the way that we, the way we walk with the Lord is we've got to be sensitive that He is a person. Isn't, isn't that the basis of any relationship? It's how we relate to one another. 
The Bible talks about walking in truth, talks about walking in wisdom, talks about walking in light and love and newness of life and so many different things that the Bible talks about our walk with God. But 1 John 1 verse number 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. Our walk with the Lord, our fellowship with Him is first of all based upon the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. But it is a spiritual thing. It's as we relate to the Lord. Walking is going about our life aware of His presence. I could give you a list of good things that every Christian ought to do. In fact, let's go ahead. I'll I'll go to point number two. And the, the second thing that's essential, not only walking, but also is talking. We're going to have a relationship with the Lord. We have to talk to Him. But just like Brother Andrew talked about Bible reading, Bible reading is a great thing that every Christian ought to read their Bible. Talking to God is prayer. Every Christian ought to have a prayer life. But all of these things, listen, you can pray, you can read your Bible, you can attend church faithfully, you can do everything on that list and still not have a genuine relationship with God. And so we've got walking, we've got talking. Uh, The primary aspect of talking, we call it prayer, but our relationship with God, as I've already said, is not something that we check off our list of daily activities. I, my wife and I have a, 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 a kind of a routine that we like to do. Every, every morning, except for Sunday morning for the most part, we try to have a time where we just kind of sit together and drink coffee. And we talk and I try to spend, you know, some time with her, 30, 45 minutes. Sometimes we'll sit and we'll talk for an hour if we have time. And we try to do that as a routine. Now, I could do that. I could say, okay, I better keep this on my schedule. I could put it on my calendar. And I could watch the clock. And I'd say, okay, honey, I'm here. This is, this is what we do. Uh, oh, time's up. I think we all understand that that's not a relationship, right? We can go through the outward motions. You know the sad part? Most people who claim to be Christians, that's their relationship with God. Well, I go to church at, I show up by 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. You know, the preacher doesn't preach too long. I'm out of here by noon, 12.15, 12.45. But I got that over with. So I have a relationship with God. Uh, you're missing the boat there. That's not a relationship. That's a ritual. The Lord's not interested in our rituals. He's interested in a relationship. Talking to God is staying in communion and awareness of His presence in our heart and mind. You know, there are many, many times where I'm fellowshipping with the Lord. I'm not praying. I may be going about my daily activities. I may be working in my shop. I may be I may be walking from my office to the car and there may be something that I'm thinking about and I may just uh, just say something. Eh, what about that, Lord? Sometimes I'll just throw up a question. 
And it's not like, dear Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name and I'm asking you this. It's nothing like that. It's just communion. It's just, it, it's almost like, you know, if you have a, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some people talk to themselves. <laughs> you know, David communed with his own heart. David would, you know, talk about inside. But as a Christian, if Jesus Christ is inside, that's the person of the Holy Spirit, we've got God inside. He knows all of our thoughts. And the more that we are aware of him, we can talk to him without it being this elaborate, formal kind of prayer. It's like, you know, Lord, I've had times where I've thought something, a thought come to my mind, and as soon as I think it, I thought, that ain't right. Lord, forgive me. Lord, that was stupid of me. I, I, the, the Lord hears me call myself stupid all the time. And, and, and if I were to hear what he's saying, I'd probably hear him say, boy, you're right, son. But it's okay. We're staying in communion. There are people who have a set time and maybe even a list and go through the mechanics of prayer. That doesn't mean that we're talking to God. It's not a formalistic thing. It is a heart and a spiritual thing. So walking and talking, number three, there's listening. Listening, the primary, just like talking to God, the primary aspect is prayer. Listening to God, the primary aspect of this would be the Bible because we have the written words of God right here and we can read it. And as we read it, if we are taking it into our heart, then we are listening. Once again, we can read through the Bible once a year, twice a year, you can read through this book ten times in a year. That doesn't mean that you have a relationship with God. It might just mean that you're a very diligent, driven type of person. God wants us to have a relationship. He wants His words here to be the most important thing that we listen to. The most powerful influence in our life ought to be the Word of God, not Hollywood, not the education system, not even our friends and our loved ones, but our heart and our mind, what we think and how we feel ought to be influenced by what God has to say. The Bible is a spiritual book. The Holy Spirit will speak to us if we're listening, if our heart is open and we're viewing the Bible as God, tell me, show me, correct me. If we're approaching the Word of God that way, then He will indeed speak to us through His Word as we learn how to discern Him. And so, please understand, the most important aspect of listening to God is through this book right here, but that does not minimize or exclude the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us. Listen, I gave a testimony of the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me. When I said, Marcus, you know better. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know better. That's as real as I am standing before you here today. There is no doubt in my mind that that was a divine encounter with God Almighty. I, th- th- nobody could talk me out of that. I knew it because I wasn't looking for God. 
I wasn't, my conscience wasn't bothering me. I just wanted to get what I wanted that evening. But out of the blue, God said, I'm here and I want to protect you. I want to keep you from causing yourself harm and grief. And by the way, I, when I resisted the Lord, my night ended up a lot of harm and grief. And how many times did I wish for years that, that I would have listened to the Holy Spirit of God? First John chapter 2, verse number 20 says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. First Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Listen, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you are feeling naked or you are feeling... Listen, I've had people tell me afterward, who told you about me, preacher? I mean, I have literally had people that were just sure that they're, they're, the person that invited them to church had been giving the preacher all this intel about them. It's like, who told you about me? It's like, I don't even know who you are. You know why they were taking it that way? Because the Holy Spirit was speaking expressly. If you're feeling a little convicted today, feeling a little guilty, and you're not sure why that is, I mean, I I know sometimes we come into a new place, we're a little uncomfortable, but sometimes that discomfort is more than usual. I get discomfort. I'm uncomfortable in the mall. But I tell you what, if I'm not right with God and I get really, really uncomfortable, I know what's doing that in my heart. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He'll speak to you. Not audibly, but you'll know it. Many never hear His voice because they live too far away from Him. I believe that the Lord is trying to speak to everyone. The Bible says if Christ was lifted up there on the cross, that He would draw all men to me. He's speaking. But you may be so disinterested, you may be so far away from God that you cannot hear His voice, but He's still seeking you. He's still looking for you. He wants to save every single one of you, and He wants every single one of us to have a personal relationship with Him. John 10, 27, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. So we've seen that our relationship with God is walking, it's talking, and it's listening. And then my last point, and I'll go quickly here, and that is loving. Our relationship with God is a love relationship. It is willing. It is committed. It is, yes, emotional, but it is very behavioral. Our love relationship with Him is dependent on His acceptance of us. Let me give you a, a verse that every believer ought to be familiar with this. Ephesians 1 verse number 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You know, this is a verse that not only talks about how God sees us, but you talk about a relational verse. Listen, in any relationship, we all are different. I came from a different family than my wife came from. 
they had different values and different ways that we see life. And, you know, she had different things in her, in her family growing up. It was just different than the way that I grew up with. And when we came together in a relationship, and especially when we started living under the same roof, I brought my mentality and my past, and she brought her mentality and her past. And when everything was new and shiny, and the honeymoon was going on for the first oh year or so, it's like, oh, that's fine, honey. I don't care. I'm just so glad that we're together. And then the new and the shiny were off. And then I started being more like me. She started being more like her. We started kind of bumping into each other, and all of a sudden something crept. Something always creeps into relationships that is natural, but it is brutal. It's called expectations. You know, we, 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 oh, when we first, we're all in love, and we, we just accept the person we love, the way that they are, until we find out that we don't really know the way that they are. And then we have problems, and then we have, we have sickness, and then we have financial burdens, and then we have all of the guilt of the past where we acted ugly, we lost our temper, or we had a bad day, or a crisis, or maybe we lose a loved one, and that grief affects us, and all of a sudden now these relationships, they start building up this pile of rejection and hurt. The Bible says here about God, don't you think that God could look down on you and I and He knows every single sin that we've ever committed, the little ones, the big ones, all the medium ones in between, He sees all of that. He knows it. And yet we read there, we're accepted in the beloved. How could God know everything about me and still accept me? I don't know about you. I get a little emotional when I think about that. I, I don't even know everything about me. I, I've, I've made mistakes and I've committed sins that in my foolish humanity, I thought it was no big deal. But to other people and To God, it was a big deal, and He knows all of that. He knows my skeletons, my deepest, darkest secrets. He knows yours, and yet He still says He has made us accepted in the Beloved. That is the basis of any love relationship, and that is the basis of our relationship with God. He loves you, and He accepts you. Now, we're not saying, like the modern liberals, that there is not any conditional aspect in our relationship with God, but every conditional aspect is based upon the unconditional. We have a word for that. It's called grace, unmerited favor. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17 says, "'Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord.'" And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and ye will, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Listen, this is a conditional acceptance in the relationship, but that doesn't mean that us, 
being different than the world and being separate, that that, that isn't what makes him our father. Start acting like we really are, like children of God. And when we do that, he said, I'll be a father. He'll, he'll, he'll be close. Listen, we have, we have fathers and mothers that we're born into that. Nothing can change that biologically. But that doesn't mean that you have a close relationship. And those close loving relationships, yes, there are conditional aspects in the closeness, but it's always based on that unconditional aspect of being accepted in the beloved. Listen, you're not going to change your spouse by making demands and expectations. The best way to change someone to please you is to just love them unconditionally to, to the point that they want to be what you want them to be. That's the way that our relationship is with God. And as Christians, that's the way our relationship ought to be toward one another. Listen, our love relationships are not based on performance and pressure. Needs and expectations are never performed by pressure. It takes grace. When a relationship is based on love, you will change without even knowing that you are changing. You don't even have to try when you have a right relationship with someone that's based on love and acceptance. I read a True story about a, a lady who married a man and he was a tyrant. I mean, he would give his wife a list of things that she needed to do every day to please him. And I mean, when he came home from work, he expected that list to be done. And if something came up, even if she was sick and that list didn't get done, he was a bear for days. And she lived in constant fear that she was going to be, her husband was going to be displeased with him and he'd add stuff to that list and he'd berate her if she didn't meet that need and she was giving everything she could, trying her best to satisfy the demands of her husband and it just seemed like he never, it never was enough. And then God was merciful and he died one day. She was, she really wasn't She wasn't sad that he was gone. She was relieved. She lived as a widow for several years, and she met a man in her church, and he was a Christian man, and they ended up getting married, and he didn't have a list. He just loved her, cared about her. Several years passed, and she was going through some of her stuff, and she came across one of those old lists from her first husband. She looked at that list and she began to weep. And it wasn't just weeping of sadness and sorrow. It was tears of joy as she looked at that list and she realized that every day she was living up to that list and she didn't even know it. Her husband wasn't demanding or expecting it, but she was doing all of those things and it was no pressure, it was no burden because she was doing it from the basis of love and acceptance. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. In conclusion, our relationship with God, it's based on walking, talking, listening, and loving 
Would you say that out loud with me here this morning? Walking, talking, listening, loving. It's really that simple. If you want to have a relationship with God, then you're going to have to walk with Him, talk with Him, listen to Him, and love Him as He in turn walks with us and talks with us, listens to us, and loves us. Christ Jesus lives in us. We are His body. We are His body collectively as a church. We are His body individually. But before you can have a relationship with God, you must first be reconciled to Him. Look at Colossians chapter 1, and we'll close. Verse number 20, And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Hallelujah. Thank God that through the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary, we can be reconciled to God and then have the relationship that God wanted to have with Adam. And he can walk with us, not just in the cool of the garden, but he can walk with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week for all of eternity. John fourteen six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me.